The number of unaccounted for down to zero for the first time. Power restoration takes a step forward and a step back. This is a special edition of the Upper Cumberland at 5. I'm Larry Stone. I'm Rafferty Cleary. Partly cloudy skies tonight. The low, 30 to 35. The number of Putnam County residents without power reduced today. About 35 Cookville Electric customers still without power. Carl Haney is the director of the electric department. Uh, those are mainly uh, along Highway 70 between Ridgedale Drive and County Farm Road. That affects uh, Royal Drive along with County Farm and some of Pippin Road. When do you imagine that we'll get those folks back online? Uh, our hopes right now is to have them on uh, this evening sometime. Uh, I would suspect maybe within the next three to four hours uh, we'll have those back on. Can you kind of describe when we talk about the damage to the system and what was done to, to Cookville Electric Systems, what kind of happened here? Well, what what got us uh, after in this was uh, from probably around uh, Crescent Drive going west to County Farm Road. That was uh, approximately a mile of our primary lines were completely wiped out. Uh, we had to go in and rebuild the uh, the total system for that mile. Uh, there is some secondary damage off of Broad Street, uh, but mainly it was the uh, primary circuit going down uh, broad. Meantime, Upper Cumberland Electric Membership Corporation down to about 400 customers without power. The story there, they had about 1,200 customers without power about an hour ago. That number, uh, about 850 were restored. What happened there, Larry, was it was a main line. They got up and energized to get all 1,200 back online. It went down after about 10 minutes. Now 400 without power. Uh, no timeline on when those customers will be back online. A water boil advisory is in effect for the Double Springs Utility District following the tornado. Angie Byers is the district's office manager. She says workers hope to have water restored to all customers this evening. With the homes that were destroyed, um, service lines within their residence were just flowing water. And with the numerous of homes that were damaged or destroyed, that caused a lot of water just flowing. Once we were able to get to their meters, we were able to turn that off. Once we did that, that helped increase the pressure for the other customers that did not have any damage and also other uh, responders and staff who may need water to assist any situation that they may have. Uh, we did experience some low pressure. We did experience some no water at all uh, throughout our system. Uh, we found a um, couple of leaks that we were able to repair promptly. Um, we did, well, not did, currently we are repairing a water leak that we feel like will restore the water in this area back to normal. So we hope that those customers will be back online and ready to go uh, here here probably probably by tonight. Angie Byers is with the Double Springs Utility District. She is the office manager out there. Um, Angie, there was a water boil precautionary, too. I think that's key. That was uh, advisory that was put out earlier today. Can you just talk a little bit about why that was put out, if it's still in effect, actually, at this time, 
and um, what that really means and why it was done. I think what I would like to say is uh, it's a really cautionary that this is out there now. The reason why is the work that we've had to get done uh, has caused us to want to be extra careful and taking additional samples before we say, hey, this water is safe, go ahead and drink it. We have not received any negative samples uh, at this time. Uh, we are going to continue to take samples uh, tomorrow, and we think that if all those samples come back negative, then we will go ahead and take the bull, the bull notice out. But we just want to take those extra samples just to make sure before we give it an all okay. Um, Angie, want to talk really quickly, um, just the utility district, the property out there, um, did it take on any damage at all from the storm? And I understand you all are closed right now. Can you talk a little bit about why that is? Absolutely. Um, our office did suffer some damage. Uh, we have a standing structure. We're able to operate from it. reason we're not open at this time is because we have no Internet. We just recently got power back on today. Um, we have no telephone. Byer says the office should reopen once emergency officials reopen traffic along Highway 70. Middle Tennessee Natural Gas had to pull more than 35 meters serving homes along the Highway 70 corridor. Cliff Swope is MTNG's Director of Human Resources and Communications. So several of the homes that were damaged in that area uh, had natural gas service, and our service technicians responded, as they always do in emergency situations, quickly, professionally, safely, and effectively. And they were able to go out and pull the meters that uh, were damaged uh, and onto the houses that were damaged. Uh, we pulled approximately 35 meters, and then there were additional houses that were structurally unsound, had to be demolished, and so we had to actually dig up and disconnect underground those service lines at the property line and cap those off. Um, once we completed that, one of the things that needed to be done was needed to make sure that the area was safe for folks to return back to. And so what Middle Tennessee Natural Gas did was we used what's called a remote methane leak detector, an RMLD. And we refer to it as a laser leak detector because it operates using lasers. And we were able to survey that entire area rapidly and effectively to be able to make sure there were no underground leaks that we could not identify uh, from odor and, and the normal mechanisms. And we were able to complete that survey and turn the, turn, turn the scene loose as far as Middle Tennessee Natural Gas was concerned by mid-morning on the day of the tornadoes. Or, I'm but, sorry, mid-afternoon. So for Middle Tennessee Natural Gas at this point, is what are the next steps for you all in this area? Can you talk a little bit about that? In this area, we're uh, standing by if any gas leaks do develop. Obviously, as, as uh, debris is moved and things occur, there's always the chance that a line could be damaged. Um, and so we, we are basically in, in standby mode as far as the disaster is concerned. We've got everything under control uh, as far as our system goes, and, and we're just ready to assist any way needed to, to help deal with anything that should arise during the during the recovery efforts. Real quickly, and Cliff, thank you so much for your time. Cliff Swope with Middle T Tennessee Natural Gas uh, with us right now. Let, let's just say uh, a line does go and th the smell of natural gas occurs. What do folks do in that situation? Kind of help us out from a safety standpoint. 
Sure, and I appreciate that opportunity. The, the best thing to do is not be in the area. If you smell gas, leave the area where you're smelling the gas, get to a place where you're safe, not smelling the gas, and notify either 911 or the gas company. Um, the number for our Sparta office is 931-836-2825. And even after hours, that number will go to our answering service and they will connect you connect connect the, the party with our service technician on call. We've got somebody available 24 hours a day, every day of the year. That's Cliff Swope. He is the Human Resources and Communications Director for Middle Tennessee Natural Gas. No volunteers work the areas along Highway 70 Thursday so that electrical workers and other utility workers could get their jobs done. That did not mean the volunteer spirit was not alive and well. For the past two days, Double Springs Church of Christ has served as a central hub for the first responders working along Highway 70. Sandy Brewington of Cookville volunteering her time to make sure the exhausted workers have what they need going forward. So many of our church members and volunteers, people we've never met before, have instantly become family. Um, and uh, we're tired, but we're, we're all still strong, uh, still going, um, and just uh, happy to do what we can do to help. DeKalb County Volunteer Fireman Marco Ciccone, one of the first responders working long hours today. I mean, it's not our, our county, but we're neighbors. And, uh, I mean, uh, unfortunately, in, uh, in, in situations like this one, that we get to see uh, the good thing about it is that the the human part, the, the heart that comes together and uh, it don't matter uh, uh, who they are or, or, or where they, they are or where they live. On the Tennessee Tech campus today, the day began with a moment of silence. Tennessee Tech President Philip Oldham expressed how proud he was of Tech students' body for what they did yesterday volunteering their efforts. There was probably well over a thousand of you students out volunteering and assisting in every way that you could find. Uh, that's, that's what Living Wings Up is all about. The volunteer effort has extended to those in law enforcement and emergency response. Those personnel have flooded all the way from Indiana and Ohio to help Sheriff Eddie Ferris and their team. Ferris says his team has begun getting some rest thanks to that law enforcement. Not only in Tennessee, uh, believe it or not, but we've had uh, law enforcement officials show up from uh, Indiana, uh, Ohio, uh, and different places to assist us. So we've been able to uh, start doing some shift work uh, is a good way to put it and, and send some of our guys home. We know that this is going to be uh, a lengthy process. It's not going to be cleaned up uh, just in a, a couple of days. So. Uh, we've been able to get some rest uh, and be able to rest some of our guys. Sheriff Eddie Ferris and County Mayor Randy Porter both emphasizing that volunteers will be needed in the coming days, if not even weeks. But they wanted to get in today and work on power. Volunteering has been shown in other ways, the volunteer spirit. So many donations, Rafferty, that today... County emergency management officials actually had to call quits on that. 
They had such a huge support over the past uh, 48 hours that they've actually asked folks if they're wanting to give or or to do something to show their love, support towards our community, to do it uh, through a a donation fund in terms of monetary donations. And to do that, you can donate to the Cookville-Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund. That's set up at the Bank of Putnam County, 19 branches across our area. 100% of this will go directly back to the victims. You can also uh, donate to the Cookville Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund uh, through Venmo at Cookville Putnam County Tornado. Also, PayPal is an option as well. It's one of those situations where I'm sure it pained county officials to have to say we don't need any more donations at this point. But at the same time, two things are at work, Rafferty, and you can speak to the first one, which is uh, it takes manpower to organize those donations when they come in and we've heard tractor trailers that have come in during the course of this storm so at a point where your manpower is stretched when you've got enough you've got enough right it gets you said it this morning too it gets to the point where it's just wasteful you don't know what to do with all of that stuff um but to get to that point Really awesome, though, at it the is. same time. It is amazing. And that is the other point, that it simply gets to that situation where you you just, you it is wasteful. And there's going to be, unfortunately, we know there's going to be another tornado in a community. There's going to be another wildfire in the West. There will probably be a hurricane that affects some part of our nation here during the course of the summer and fall. And so uh, when you have what you have and you have what your needs are met, you stop. Again, the Cookville uh, Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund is taking donations at any office of Bank of Putnam County. This is being set up very similar to the way Dolly Parton did the Gatlinburg Fires Fund. Uh, There will be a process put in place, and this will be later on, probably uh, in the latter, into the spring, let's say, where those who have been affected by the tornado will apply to the fund. There will be a vetting process. Ricky Shelton saying earlier this morning that they actually learned a lot of lessons from the situation in Gatlinburg that they'll be able to put in place here. They'll be vetted to make sure that uh, these are indeed people who have suffered from the storm, and then the money will be distributed from there. So if you can make a donation, 100% of all the donations will go directly to the impacted victims. Again, the Bank of Putnam County locations or Two ways to do it digitally. PayPal and then, of course, Venmo. Venmo at Putnam County or Cookville. Excuse me. Venmo is at Cookville Putnam County Tornado. We are awaiting uh, the uh, afternoon briefing on uh, what has been done today in the Highway 70 corridor. Uh, Randy Porter, Ricky Shelton, Sheriff Eddie Ferris will be among those who will brief us on the progress that has been made as we are now uh, three days into this tragedy that has forever changed lives in this community and I dare say probably will affect this community for many, many years to come. We'll hopefully see that they have gotten a lot of progress done today. They were blessed by the fact that the rain that was forecasted a little earlier in the week held off and it actually turned out to be a nicer day. It is going to be colder the next couple of days, which I know is not good news for those that will be working, but... They'll be able to work through that, no doubt. Let's go to the podium.
everyone okay? Good evening. I'm County Mayor Randy Porter. Uh, this is our briefing. Um, we uh, have a, had a good day. Uh, the weather has cooperated. Uh, our power companies have been uh, able to get a lot of progress done. And, and most of all, we've been able to complete our second search of the area of all the structures that have, uh, uh, that have been involved. We completed our initial search, and then we go back and do a much more thorough search on the, the second time. And I will let uh, Sheriff Ferris go into that uh, more into depth. Uh, there have been no other victims discovered, thankfully, uh, or there have been no other deaths. Our death toll remains at 18 as it was yesterday. Uh, our list of unaccounted for persons is now at zero. We have no reported unaccounted people as of right now. We do stress, though, uh, to your viewers, if you know of someone uh, that you have not been able to make contact with or uh, that you know is missing, please call us at our 931-646-INFO line. That's 931-646-4636. And I'm going to let Sheriff Ferris go ahead and talk about the search and rescue efforts, and then we'll come back to the rest of the briefing. Sure. Thank you, Mayor. Good afternoon. As of 12 o'clock today, our search and recovery, or excuse me, our search and rescue had turned into recovery. So that's where we are at this point on that. We will continue our curfew uh, from 7 p.m. till 8 a.m. Uh, law enforcement over the weekend and, and into next week will continue to have a, a heavy presence. We'll be doing so with the help of uh, other agencies. Our temporary flight restrictions are still in effect and will be continued in effect until 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. Today we made our second arrest for looting. Uh, uh, at the location and affected area. Uh, also, the Tennessee Highway Patrol made their third DUI arrest uh, since we have started this process today in the affected area. And just a side note, uh, law enforcement have took possession of 42 firearms that has been recovered uh, in the debris. We suspect there'll be more. Uh, we'll. Uh, take those in possession and at some point uh, hopefully find the rightful owner. Thank you, Sheriff. We also, as I said, we've had a good day to be able to get a lot of work done in the, uh, the damaged area. We have completed our initial assessment also of the structures damage, damaged. Uh, we have over 400 residents that have been damaged in some way, shape, or form. That could uh, be from major to minor and, and uh, 31 commercial. Uh, we have nearly 100 residences that were totally destroyed. Um, these numbers may change and, and will change some as we get exact numbers as we uh, continue in the, the assessment. Uh, as you know, the damaged area is, is very uh, severe and uh, it's taking some time to be able to go through the area and make sure that we have accurate numbers on those. Uh, our power crews have made uh, great progress today. We're replacing poles and lines and, and uh, transformers. Uh, as of right now, Cookville City Electric is saying they have 25 customers still without power. They are hoping to get most of those restored tonight. Uh, Upper Cumberland still has about 1,300 customers just realizing that 
the damage area for Upper Cumberland is much greater than what it was for the city of Cookville and uh, much more uh, area to cover and uh, much more as far as damage goes to their poles and their lines. Uh, they're working around the clock. They had a very good day today. And just remember, they started out with 5,500 customers uh, damaged to start with, so they've made some great progress. Uh, the power companies have asked that we put out that the people that still do not have power, that their homes are damaged to where that uh, they may not uh, be livable or that they've got problems that could occur should power come back on. They ask that they cut their main breakers off in their electrical boxes. Uh, we don't want someone's home that is damaged, power be restored to it and, and it, there'll be a fire started. So please turn off your main breakers if your homes have been damaged. We're also asking folks that if you are using portable generators at your homes, make sure your main breaker is turned off. Uh, we do not want any of our power company workers to be uh, harmed, and they could be if that power back feeds into the transmission lines. Uh, as Sheriff Fair said, our curfew is going to be back on again tonight. That is for the damaged area only. Uh, we still have about 20 people that remain in our Red Cross shelter. Uh, that number has increased today. Uh, the shelter will remain open. It is at the Coolville First Baptist Church. Uh, here on Walnut Street, and uh, anyone needing shelter that's been that was in the affected area that have damaged homes, they can go and stay there. Uh, our distribution center and everything is still open, providing food and water and uh, supplies and everything to folks. That's at the Cookville Community Center. Uh, we are expanding our hours at our landfill and garbage transfer station. We will be open seven days a week uh, for the near future. Uh, starting tomorrow, they will be open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And the residences and private haulers uh, can take their construction uh, waste and debris and so forth down to the landfill on Cookville Boat Dock Road. Our garbage transfer station on South Jefferson Avenue will also be extended hours uh, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. for normal garbage. Uh, water service should be restored to most of the customers in the area, especially the double, I don't think Cooper had that many customers without water, but Double Springs Utility District uh, had some lines that were damaged. Uh, those customers should all have water now. There is a boil notice in effect, though, for the customers inside the Double Springs Utility District. They're asking until the water samples uh, that have been tested, until they get those test results back, uh, that people please uh, boil their water. Um, we have uh, hundreds of volunteers that are wanting to uh, come, and we have been overwhelmed with the help. I know folks are frustrated uh, when it comes to not being able to come in and get into the area and help. We're going to ask that we have one more day uh, tomorrow uh, for the power companies and our emergency personnel to continue to work in that area. Power companies are still putting in new poles and stringing lines and putting on new transformers. It makes the area very dangerous for us to have volunteers in. So we will ask for one more day uh, for those folks uh, to uh, to wait uh, and to come in and volunteer. And I'm going to have more on volunteers that we'll do at the end of the press briefing. I'm going to turn it over now to Mayor Shelton to talk about some of our other areas. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, we have been uh, very blessed with the amount of uh, donations of goods and services and food 
and as well money. As we said yesterday, we had established the Cookville Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund. That is up and going. There are actually five ways now uh, that we have set up to donate to that. Uh, you can donate through at any of the 19 locations of Bank of Putnam County. Uh, we have an opportunity to donate through Venmo, also through PayPal. You can text Cookville Help to 41444. That's Cookville Help to 41444. And, and you can text your donation to that. And then finally, and then probably most importantly, is the PutnamCountyTN.gov. And when you go to PutnamCountyTN.gov, that opens up our entire uh, fundraising page. And so I can tell you, um, we're, we're very blessed at this moment. It's, uh, it's, uh, the total is over $125,000 as we speak. And so we're very thankful for that. That's less than 24 hours. And uh, we've been contacted by uh, many places and corporate uh, citizens and organizations that intend to, um, to help uh, in the very near future. So we expect that to, uh, to continue to rise. Uh, as we said, 100% uh, of these monies will go back to the affected victims. Uh, also, um, we still have our help now at PutnamCountyTN.gov. If you have any um, problems, issues, you want to donate something, uh, goods and services at some point, we'll, we'll need even more of that next week. And then the, uh, the information line that has been active always is still 931-646-4636. Again, I would just say thank you to everyone who has reached out to us. We talked about this yesterday. We've received thousands of messages. Uh, if we haven't gotten back to you, uh, it's certainly not because we, we uh, don't want to. It's literally working through all the processes of the emails and the text messages and the direct messages on our social media sites. And so we'll continue to do that and we try to get those to the proper people so that you can then be contacted for whatever you're desiring to, uh, to do. So again, PutnamCountyTN.gov opens up and, and gets you to, uh, to all of our donation sites. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mayor Shelton. We also have our representative for Putnam County, Mr. Ryan Williams, here with us. Ryan, would you like to say something? Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Mayor Porter. Uh, first of all, I want to just say thank you to Mayor Porter and Sheriff Ferris and uh, Mayor Shelton for the hard work that you've been doing the last few days. Uh, not only you, but behind us are dozens of people behind this wall who are making things happen across uh, this community, and it's great to see what's going on here. Senator Bailey and I have been in Nashville uh, working uh, diligently to see what we can do to offer tax relief, work with TEMA, General Holmes, and the National Guard. I know those guardsmen showed up, additional guardsmen showed up today, which was a request uh, by these three gentlemen. We'd like to thank uh, R.C. Christian and uh, his uh, Captain Christian and the THP for all their service and work as they uh, work today diligently to try to get those things done. I do want to say, though, that uh, one of the thing, most amazing things to me is, is that this has been a huge uh, impact to our local community. Uh, and, but even when uh, Senator Bailey and I were in Nashville, we had businesses and com uh, community partners from all over the state who literally are standing with the checkbook in hand waiting to contribute to these accounts waiting to love on their volunteer friends all, from all across the state. And so I'm very hopeful, uh, Mayor Shelton, Mayor uh, Porter, that you're going to see additional resources continue to come, those from 
large corporations who have made great investments in our community because they understand the volunteer spirit and how we want to rebuild uh, these foundations that were we're shaken in our community. And so, you know, what, what we're going to get to see is the hard work that these people have laid a groundwork for us to do that allow the volunteers to come over this weekend from literally all over uh, the state and surrounding states. And so we're really uh, excited to do that. Uh, and we just ask that the people of this community be patient uh, with us and with the process. Uh, it's a very uh, tedious one, one that, uh, uh, that has been very difficult for them. I know that uh, for, for the, they have received thousands of text messages and emails, and I have too, and I've not returned any either uh, as much as I probably should. Uh, but we have a great community here. And uh, as I met today with people who were injured uh, and people who were still bruised from this event, uh, we were able to encourage them, much like uh, I've said before, you know, God was not in this tornado but he has been in our response. And so we're really excited to see that uh, really come to fruition in the next few days, weeks, and months as we get back to what it is we do here in Putnam County. So thank you, Mayor Porter, and thank you, Sheriff and, and Mayor Sheldon. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. I'd like to talk a little bit about our volunteer plan that, that we're going to be working on and, and putting out sometime tomorrow. The outpouring from our volunteers, not only from just general people, uh, we were at Tennessee Tech, Mayor Shelton and I were uh, this morning, and thousand Tech students that uh, are wanting to volunteer, and a lot of those were on the site Tuesday. And, and I know there's some frustration uh, with folks that they feel like they're all wanting to volunteer and wanting to help, and we got companies wanting to bring in equipment and, and so forth. But our number one priority had to be search and rescue of that area to make sure that we had everyone accounted for having all those folks in there was was hampering that uh, uh was hampering that work and we we just couldn't we had to change we had to bring those uh, volunteers out and allow us to complete our search once that's happened now and we're able to complete our assessments and power companies finish working tomorrow our plan is is for to allow volunteers to come in on saturday to begin on saturday uh, it has to be a very planned and organized response, though. We can't, we had now numbers are saying 2,566 volunteers here Tuesday uh, that signed up or that actually went to the area and was, uh, was trying to help. A lot of folks went into the area, us not even knowing about it. That will not be allowed coming up on the days that we're going to allow volunteers in. You're going to have to come. You're going to have to register. You're going to have a special armband uh, and that be organized because if we get too many people in the area, we're just we're not doing any good. Folks are walking over the top of each other, and so we want to be very organized. So if you'll be very patient with us, we'll be putting out details of the volunteer, our volunteer plan tomorrow. Uh, we'll plan on that starting Saturday morning, probably about uh, around 8 a.m. Uh, we ask again that you please do not show up to these areas. Uh, Sheriff Ferris and city police and THP have a very large police presence uh, in that area, and we're keeping the area uh, cordoned off so that uh, we can protect uh, the citizens' belongings that lived in there and their property. And we just have to remember that uh, the property is private property, and uh, we need the people that own the property and the, that is damaged to be able to give the okay and authority for folks to be able to go in and, and work on that. 
Uh, we also have a lot of contractors that are wanting to come in with heavy equipment. We will have a plan that we will release tomorrow also for that. They will have some kind of special placard uh, that we have on the equipment or on the trucks as they go in to be able to get in. We've, we've had a tremendous outpouring of food vendors and folks that are wanting to come in and cook for our, our workers, and we are so grateful for that. We have had so many, though we're overwhelmed. Uh, the one thing we don't want to do is waste food and have people coming in and cooking and that food not being eaten. So we are scheduling those uh, vendors and those cookers uh, a day to come in and so that we make sure our people are fed, our volunteers will be fed, and so that is being organized here through the Emergency Operations Center. Uh, just remind everyone this is going to be a multi-week, month process. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, we have made some major progress. Our community is very strong. We have a great bunch of emergency responders, law enforcement, county, city employees, power companies that have worked uh, well, night and day since the storm happened uh, early Tuesday morning around 2 a.m. We are so thankful for all those em employees and all those people that have done everything. We are so grateful and thankful for our community for everything they have done and all the outpouring. We thank you so much. We just ask that you keep all the families that are still mourning and they're going to have funerals over the next several days of their loved ones. You keep them in your prayers. Um, I'll uh, open it up for questions now if anyone has any questions. Can you talk about uh, President Trump's visit? No, ma'am. <laughs> are you glad he's coming? Uh, absolutely. If he does, we would welcome him with open arms. Yes. Um, I, I wonder, of the people who are still being hospitalized, are they expected to recover, or what's their condition? As far as we know, and we don't have definite details on each patient because you start getting into HIPAA violations with, uh, with the actual status of those patients, but uh, as far as we know, all the patients that were treated are still alive, uh, but we do not know the status of, of, their, of their health right now. Uh, we do not. Here again, we get into HIPAA violations with that, so we're not, uh, we have to be, there's certain things that we just can't, uh, that can't share. Other questions? Um, do you know how many people survived the damaged and destroyed structures? No. There's no way to tell how many people actually lived in each one of the structures. Uh, when you take and, and look at the, that number of damaged structures, I mean, it had to be in the thousands, uh, but uh, we don't know. We, there's no way to, to, for us to estimate that. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell us more about the looters? Sure. Well, the arrest was made today on a looter that was uh, attempting to steal copper from one of the houses. Yes, ma'am. And what about, you mentioned there were two arrests? Uh, well, there were arrests earlier in the week, and that person was also, uh, uh, hadn't took anything in his possession, but was filtering through other people's property and things that had been da uh, damaged and ha was not, uh, did not have permission to be on the location and site. Um, what kind of charges are you filing? Criminal trespassing. Other questions? Of 
That is working through uh, Tennessee Emergency Management Agency and FEMA. FEMA arrived yesterday. Uh, we'll be doing those assessments. That is some. That is part of the process that we work through, where we we actually go to each individual uh, damaged, whether it be a home or a business. Uh, we we get those counted. Uh, each side is then visited uh, to try to assess: is it completely destroyed? What the level of damage is, and and that will be an estimation that will be done through the assessment. We're also uh, in the process, and that may have happened today, of a flyover. Uh, we use GIS mapping, uh, and we'll be able to use a flyover to compare as to what it looked like before the storm and what it looks like now, and we'll use all of that in our assessments to come up with a dollar figure. Just realize that that's going to be a multi-day process. Uh, lots of folks are involved in that. Lots of technology is being used to do that including drones and other things so uh, we will it may be a few days before we're able to give you that estimate you mentioned there were zero people right now uh, reported unaccounted for yes sir. we've been watching of course that number has been going up and down over the last couple of days can you talk a little more about that process because we're even seeing today you know one name would be reported and then within a minute or two even um, they would be located and found. So if you could see behind this wall, the large facility that we have here at the Merchie Operations Center, uh, we've got probably 100 people, close to 100 people over there. Uh, at, at any given time, they are working. We have a group that that's, that's their job. When the info line, someone calls in and gives us that name, not only do they start working on it, but we have the TBI command post here. And they start working with us, law enforcement. Uh, it's a process of a group of folks working. Uh, we start trying to contact family members, uh, putting out messages to our school system to see if they have children there. It's, uh, it's not just one anything that you can put your finger on, but a whole group of people working together. So we may find out uh, within five minutes that that person, we've located them. It may take hours. Uh, and then what happens and what has happened since we started this process is is that we probably had close to 100 when we started and it has fluctuated up and down and it's hit zero several times today and then it's went back up as more people have called in. Uh, it still could fluctuate. Uh, we're just asking everyone to, as we've been putting out to you each one, at each uh, press conference and through all of our social media and websites, if you know of someone that you have not been able to contact that could possibly have been involved in this, please call us. We want to make sure that everyone is accounted for, and if there's someone out there that's still missing uh, or that has been unaccounted for, we need to know about it because we will do our best to try to find them. Can you take me through the process for federal disaster area and the 25 percent that would be on the, the local sure. operations and how much have the number of volunteers that you've had to this point may help with that sure when when it comes if we're declared for one understand that the request is uh, is possibly on the president's desk uh, by now uh, we're waiting to hear back from from him as whether we're declared or not if we're declared he will announce what that percentage is uh, it could be 75 percent, it could be 80, 90, whatever that is. Normally it's 75 percent. Uh, that means the federal government is going to reimburse us uh, for 75 percent of the, of the cleanup cost and, and our, our cost has been associated with the search and rescue and all those kind of things. Uh, then the state normally will pay 12.5 percent 
to reimburse us. So we're up to 87 and a half percent. Then the other 12 and a half percent is on the on the city or the county government, whichever one it is. Uh, what we can do is is those volunteers as they come in and volunteer, we have to keep up with every hour that they volunteer. We can actually count those volunteer hours towards our 12 and a half percent that we would have to pay as part of those costs. Uh, it's a it's a very tedious process. We we do our best to keep up with all those. That's the reason that our volunteer plan has to be very organized uh, because we can't have it like it was Tuesday because you have all these people showing up that we didn't know about and we can't record those. So they're actually, as much as they want to help, and we appreciate their help, if they will go through our process, we can actually count their time and it will help us to save taxpayer dollars. Uh, so that's the way it works when a, in a FEMA declaration. Did that answer your question? Yeah, and that's not just at the site, correct? That's no. volunteers at the community center. Yes. Anything that, that organizations that are helping us, our distribution center that we have, the Cooville Community Center, uh, all those uh, can be counted also. I have a viewer that wants to know if the people that are staying in hotels, mm -hmm. do they need funding for that? Do they need it like today? There are some, there are a lot of the hotel rooms are being taken up by folks that have been displaced from the storm. We've actually had people calling in today wanting to volunteer to pay for some of those hotel rooms. So if there's anyone out there that wants to do that, uh, they can contact us uh, through the help now at PutnamCountyTN.gov and uh, that would be great if they'd like to do that. Our hotelers. Uh, I have to sing their praises some too. They've been giving special rates to those folks. We've had to bring in some uh, special people to be involved with us and they've gave special rates to those folks and we're so thankful for that. From what I understood earlier, most of the hotel rooms are booked. Uh, we don't know how long that will last and how many of those people are here volunteering or involved in this or how many are just traveling through and have booked those rooms. But we know we have several uh, people that have been displaced in the hotel rooms. Talked about how you were almost overwhelmed with the amount of volunteers. Can you talk a little bit more about that and kind of the need for, you know, do you need more volunteers for this weekend or kind of are people ready to go? Talk a about kind of what you guys are hearing from, from people who are. So I have been flooded. I know Mayor Shelton and, and Sheriff Farris and all of us have been flooded with people wanting to volunteer. We have a lot of specialized organizations that are coming in that travel across the country doing this. Uh, we will be working with those organizations and trying to team up the volunteers uh, with those people. These people are trained. They do this on a uh, probably sometimes on a weekly basis as, as they have disasters across the country. Our goal is to try to group those people together and have teams. Uh, we are so appreciative of the volunteers, but we have to have it organized. Uh, if we are able to organize it, we can get a lot of work completed this coming weekend. That's the goal is on Saturday and Sunday to, uh, to do a lot of the volunteers. But that's not going to be the end. It will be next week. It will be the week after next. Even after we get the debris all cleaned up, which will take several weeks, then the rebuilding process starts. Uh, Habitat for Humanity has already contacted me about wanting to be involved in that. We have a lot of the folks that, uh, is it Samaritan's Purse, uh, a lot of these organizations that come in and help rebuild. We will be working with those folks to uh, uh, 
to organize that. And I have to say I've had a lot of companies that have contacted us wanting to donate construction supplies, wanting to donate light fixtures, uh, all kinds of things, furniture for folks that have lost everything. We're looking to try to set up some kind of warehouse space to be able to hold that in. And then once we work through this uh, tornado relief fund, that be part of that to help get items out to people that, that have lost those and, and that are in need of those. Can you address what the schools are doing? The schools are uh, actually having daycare in the schools for any of the parents that were affected, families affected in the storm. Uh, we put out a list of those schools to you last night. Uh, that's on our social media and websites. Uh, they have been taking and doing child care at those schools for those families, which I understand has been a big success. Uh, they also were taking donations at some of the schools and use, we're using some of the schools to house some of the supplies and donations we have received. Uh, Jefferson Avenue Church of Christ, uh, our distribution center, there are several places out there that just have gymnasiums and, and rooms full of supplies. It has been absolutely amazing at the uh, generosity of the businesses and people across not only our community here in Putnam County but across the state and across the United States uh, that what they have been willing to give uh, it's just words cannot speak our gratitude uh, for all those people that are trying to donate the problem we, we're running into is having space to store all that stuff and we don't want to take stuff that we're not going to be able to dis distribute out to the people so uh, there's going to be a point that, that we're going to have to kind of cut that off and there may be other areas in the country may need it worse than we do uh, we'll just have to play that by ear as we go through the days we've been giving out a lot of it but we don't want to have more than we can give out Question again from the, the viewer. They wanted to know um, when would drivers, when just regular people coming through with their cars, be allowed to come through the, the areas that are blocked off now? Sure, if you want to talk. Well, we feel like the, the Highway 70 will certainly be uh, blocked off and closed till most likely the middle of next week at, at the minimum. Uh, the power companies, as the mayor's mentioned, are still out working, and that's obviously a safety issue, and so we're trying to address that. and. Then after that, we have the, the dump trucks and the, all the other heavy equipment that will be coming in that needs to be moved around, So, uh, and a lot of pickup. Uh, I think I mentioned this in one of the first uh, press conferences, but when we initially arrived out there, uh, we actually were having so many flat tires, we had to uh, ask for maintenance to go out and start trying to help us change tires on first responders. So there's a lot of things we have to do before we open the road back up. Other questions? We want to try to get you all the information we possibly can. That's one thing we want to try to do is be as transparent as we possibly can. I hope we have done that. If you have questions in between uh, these uh, briefings, uh, please make sure you get in contact with us. We have uh, several PIOs in our Merch Operations Center that will try to get you answers as soon as possible. Do you think the schools will reopen next week? My guess is they will reopen Monday. Uh, I can't answer that for the school's director. I can't speak for him, but uh, uh, my guess is, is is that will happen. We will have to see as, as things progress over the next uh, few days and, and see how everything goes. Okay, we're going to put out our volunteer plans tomorrow. Uh, we are not going to schedule a, another press briefing as of right now. 
Uh, it will depend on how things go tomorrow. We don't want to bring you in if we don't have information for you. Our guess is that we will have a briefing sometime tomorrow, uh, hopefully sometime tomorrow afternoon, but we will let you know uh, hopefully tomorrow as, as we uh, we see how things that go. That is uh, County Mayor Randy Porter uh, bringing us the latest information on the work that has been done today. Uh, Rafferty, in terms of kind of the headlines uh, from what we know, the second search is completely done now. They got that done just before noon today. The death toll remains at 18. There are no reported unaccounted people uh, people that uh, we simply don't know where they are. However, uh, Randy Porter mentioned that if you are someone who is, um, has just not reported to this point that uh, you're worried about a family member or friend, please call 646-INFO, and they will continue uh, to uh, keep that number open and uh, check on those sorts of things. Curfew will be in effect again starting at 7 o'clock, and it sounds like that's going to be something that's going to continue for that area for the next several days. The FAA restrictions extended until Saturday. That means no flights over the uh, Highway 70 corridor. We had a second uh, looting arrest today. Yeah. um, Gentleman, I believe, said gentleman trying to steal copper from one of the uh, damaged structures. Can't wrap my mind around that one. I don't want to bring too much attention to it, but just unbelievable what some folks will do in a situation also, a third DUI arrest in that area. They're being charged, by the way, with criminal trespass. 400 homes damaged, ranging from minor to major. That's a staggering number. Uh, 100 of those homes totally destroyed. That also is just unbelievable to think about. 31 commercial buildings that were damaged, minor or, or major, ranging in from from minor to major. Um, and something else they mentioned as well, Mayor Porter did, about turning off the main breakers if your home is damaged. I think that's uh, something very important that needs to be noted. The number of people in the Red Cross shelter actually has increased today, and so the Red Cross shelter at First Baptist Church downtown is going to remain open. There are about 20 people in that shelter. Burning ban is still in effect for Cookville and Putnam County. That is until further notice. The landfill is going to be open seven days a week from 8 a.m. until 5. They have again said there will be no volunteers tomorrow. And again, um, you can tell by some of the things that uh, Randy Porter said that there must be a lot of uproar about this on Facebook, and I can't believe this and that. But, uh, and you've been in the area. I haven't. But imagine that is a that's a narrow highway. Uh, there is amazing amounts of damage. And the most important thing right now is to get those power poles up. Uh, and not prolong that anymore. And so that's what they want to work on right now, and that's understandable. And I know that people want to help. They want desperately to help. The other point that was made a little later in the press conference. This comes down to funding. It does. And and the organization uh, that goes into the volunteers. Think of it this way, keeping property tax low. Right. Exactly. How does that work? (laughs) Basically that FEMA will count the volunteer hours. Right. That we put in, if but, but we it, have to tally a, all. A that. lot of it goes into that. I, I was just noting something that Mayor Porter had put out. Didn't see this until just now, but on his Facebook page earlier, and he's talking about construction debris. And if you're taking it to the landfill, you need to check in with the waymaster on duty because storm damage for, for material is being placed in a totally separate 
area because that has to be tracked. Every bit of debris has to be tracked. All of this goes into determining, let's say, a final number, so to speak, in in terms of a price tag. For and this. and that particular item, just to, to focus on that for just a second, that also has EPA and. Uh, Department of Environment in the state level, all of those kind of regulations come into place, which, as uh, Mayor Porter said this morning, those rules are in place for good reasons uh, in trying to protect the landfill. But in a situation like this, they can feel like binding on your arms. But the the, the rules are the rules. And so we just got to remember that. We, we have tried all week, I hope, uh, in our coverage to say the word patience. Uh, and it is hard. Golly, everybody involved wants to get some sort of normalcy as as soon as we can. We want to help, but this is just going to take some time, and we've got to think through what is the process of this, how do they best get this done. Uh, I mean, the the point made uh, by Sheriff Ferris late in the press conference, when is the road going to be open? They had dozens of flat tires uh, when the response was first happening. I mean, we're talking in the hours, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. after the tornado hit. So they're going to have to do something to sweep the road and, and try to get nails and all of that kind of stuff. They're just a, there's no way to skin this cat but to say this is a, there is a lot involved in this. Yeah, and he mentioned that folks are frustrated about not being able to get in there and, and volunteer and help out. Well, I say to that, you know, Wait a couple of days, and while you're waiting, give. Give monetarily to the funds that have been set up here, which now they mentioned in the press conference. You've got other ways, and I think ways that could stend easier for folks across the state to give money uh, to the relief fund. You've got the Go bank give of, blood. Yep, you can mm-hmm. give blood as well. Um, there's There's other ways that you can help this situation out without – you know, getting frustrated because you can't get in right this very second um, to go help with the cleanup efforts. And again, uh, it, it all comes out of love. It all comes out of wanting to help. But you can help by just following the rules. Yep. And uh, our our society today is, is not so much about following rules. People kind of just do what they want to do. This is a situation. Uh, I was just thinking as you were talking a second ago, we go back to the volunteers and the FEMA part of this that if you had 2,500 volunteers and they worked eight hours, and let's just say that the pay rate is $15 an hour. I don't know how they, they do that. But think of how much money that is. Mm-hmm. And that's money that, get, as we understand, gets credited towards that 12.5% that the county or the city is going to have to come up with. It's an opportunity to make 12.5%, 12.5% go much, much, much lower. That's right. By the cooperation as a whole, or our community as a whole, uh, provides to the officials who are organizing this effort to get things restored to normal. Patience. Yep. It's the number one word let's leave you with this Thursday. We're not leaving you, though. There's plenty more in this special edition of the Upper Cumberland at 5 just ahead. It is 5.54 now. Sponsored by SNR Guns with over 200 years of combined experience. Expert gunsmiths and master trainers with a full line of top quality firearms and even pre band weapons and magazines. Shop where the pros go. SNR Guns, 1656 Burgess Falls Road, Cookville. You've seen one gun shop, you've seen them all. Yeah, that's not true. 
When it comes to firearms, experience counts. And you'll appreciate that experience when you step inside SNR Guns in Cookville. Steve Johnson and Richard Stouter lead a team of four master gunsmiths and three expert firearm machinists. Combined, they've got over 200 years of solid professional experience, more than any other shop. That's how you know all gun shops are not created equally. SNR Guns is a federally licensed Class 3 dealer, authorized to deal with every type of firearm and accessory that can be legally owned in America. Never feel intimidated or pressured. Only feel educated and informed with your trip to SNR Guns. Hunting, sports shooting, professional law enforcement, or personal defense. SNR Guns professional training and assistance keeps you fully legal. Veteran owned and operated SNR Guns on Burgess Falls Road in Cookville with convenient layaway. Call 537-6862. That's 537-6862. And read all the reviews on Facebook. Experience counts. SNR Guns. The pepper and garlic butter. It's the age-old Papa John's battle. <laughs> As you set the box down on the table, you just know someone is going to jump in and grab them. So what do you do? You avoid a confrontation by ordering enough Cookville Papa John's pizzas for everyone. There's nothing like that delicious aroma that hits you when you first open up a box of Papa John's. And your local Cookville Papa John's has another delicious handcrafted pizza ready to warm you up for the colder weather. Start with a large hand-tossed pizza with new garlic Parmesan crust. Then create and customize it with all your favorite fresh toppings or any of their specialty pizzas. Maybe barbecue chicken and bacon, ultimate pepperoni, super Hawaiian, fiery buffalo chicken, the meats, or the works. It's the perfect choice for lunchtime, game time, or any time. Your local Cookville Papa John's. Call 931-372-7272 or order online at papajohns.com. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. as this extended edition of the Upper Cumberland at 5 continues from Light Rock 95.9, WLQK Livingston, 106.9 Kicks Country, WKXD, Monterey, News Talk 94.1 AM 1600, WUCT All Good, and Rock 93.7 WBXE Baxter. National Weather Service officials spent a second day in Cookville Thursday analyzing data to verify not only the wind speed, but the tornado's path. Chrissy Hurley is a weather service meteorologist. News Talk 94.1 AM 1600. She said the strength of this particular storm surprised even her. She has spent years as a meteorologist, extensive training, 
trying to understand just how these storms work. She said it was a surprise to her that just about anyone survived. When you talk about violent tornadoes that are 166 miles per hour or higher, and that's where the EF4 rating starts, once you get to that, you know, when you're in a a one-story vinyl siding house, it becomes real tough to survive that. And I'm telling you, we talked to so many people who did survive that by doing the right thing. They got in their bathtub. I, I t- spoke to a woman, her family of four got in the bathtub. The bathtub went flying, but they lived and survived and, and had minimal injuries. Uh, there was another couple that uh, there's nothing left of their house, but they got in the interior room of the bathroom and survived and had literally no injury. So, you know, yeah, it, it it is when you look at the damage and you're thinking, man, how did anybody survive that? The ones, the survivors we talked to, they were doing the right thing. I believe there was another woman who uh, put on a motorcycle helmet. And when she was taking cover, and uh, I believe the doctors told her that that is the only way she survived. So it is incredible. It really is. So yesterday you were trying to look at the speed uh, mm-hmm. Today, you're also trying to assess the path. That's right. How do you do that? Well, we have been going down every nook and cranny road uh, in Smith County, uh, crossing over into Putnam County. And we have another team that started off where we couldn't quite finish yesterday. And we're meeting up with them and, uh, you know, just trying to figure out the the width of the tornado and, and not the whole thing was, you know, EF4. So figuring out, okay, you know, it started off, it's probably EF0, EF1, then ramped up. And uh, that's what we're documenting. So it's a long process. You know, I, I, I hope everybody's patient with us because we want to get the data correct. And, uh, you know, we've even had to rely on some engineers to help us along the way um, with some of the construction and whatnot. Uh, to see if it was, you know, well built and that. One of the things that I learned today that I didn't know is, uh, I I thought that the work that you're doing is more about collecting data, and so we have good records, and that we understand uh, every little piece that we learn about tornadoes is a little something more that we didn't know. But this also goes into the emergency declarations and that sort of thing. The work that you're doing gets reported to FEMA, and that's how you qualify for funding and that sort of thing. Absolutely. So there's a big demand for us to make these tornado damage maps. So that's why uh, the previous two days, you know, the day of the tornadoes, we had teams on the ground. And, uh, you know, we couldn't get to Cookville on uh, Tuesday because they were still in rescue operations, um, still, you know, trying to save people. So we didn't want to get in the way. But definitely it looks like we're going to be spending the rest of the week here uh, finishing up those surveys. And, you know, they take several days. The report from yesterday was that this is uh, appears to be the strongest tornado since uh, the Good Friday tornado. Uh, is, is that still yeah, what you're that saying Yeah, that now? is true. It is the strongest tornado in Middle Tennessee uh, since April 10th, 2009, the Good Friday tornado of Murfreesboro. But Mother Nature is unpredictable, and she works on her own schedule. Based on the analysis done today, Hurley said things could have been much worse. Because a, another storm developed just south of Cookville, 
it cut off that warm, moist air, and that killed the tornado before it ever got to downtown Cookville. Because yeah. let me tell you, that those folks are incredibly lucky. And, uh, I mean, and, and occurring at night, I mean, that's just, that's what keeps a meteorologist like me up at night, for sure. That is, uh, that's one of the things where I know it's a very devastating tornado, but in the big picture, the city Cookville really got lucky. Hurley said the Cookville-Putnam County tornado will likely be a case study for nighttime tornadoes. She said scientists from across the United States will want to understand why the storm powered up so quickly and so intensely. The response to the tornadoes has not been just by volunteers, not just by emergency responders, but local merchants have powered up to help as well. If you walk down the aisles of Cookville's Lowe's store today, you saw bare spots in some aisles. Lowe's store manager Jamie Fisher says the company has a plan in place in case of inventory shortages. Yeah, we have a command center that, that we source product, our corporate office sources product out of uh, different locations to this area. So lots of, lots of chainsaws, generators, uh, things like that. Uh, initially, though, with the uh, storm damage, what we're kind of seeing is, is, is it's a lot of cleanup currently. So a lot of things like uh, rakes, shovels, brooms, trash bags, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, and we have plenty of that on hand trying to uh, just get everybody taken care of. Fisher said the store will be available to help those who plan to spend a warm, sunny weekend cleaning up. A county commissioner from Putnam County's 9th District has begun cleaning up in the recovery efforts after Tuesday's tornado destroyed his home. Jimmy Neal said he's still in shock, can't really find the words to describe the devastation. All day yesterday, our mine was not, it was taken away because we had a ton of volunteers that came down from the Upperman High School, a lot of the football team. My son's on the team down there. and They came over and we had people showing up with chainsaws, and and today it's been it's been a lot of the same. Not as many people showed up today because they were requesting no volunteers, so everybody's kind of waiting until tomorrow. But we've been out still trying to pick up pictures. So far in the yard, I have found birth certificates, ultrasounds, baby pictures, wedding pictures, all this stuff from people who we we didn't know, but doing some investigation with the neighbors we think we found uh we found the owner of some of that stuff anyway so it's been uh it's been surreal and uh to be honest with you we're still in shock we uh we can't be in the house because uh we took the power pole and uh we're in a hotel we've been there we're probably going to be there they said upward of two weeks so it's just uh it's just crazy and went out today with uh law enforcement and surveyed some of the damage up in the double springs area and uh it's just words can't describe it Rafferty pictures can't describe it don't if you haven't seen it it's it's just unbelievable it's it just breaks your heart. Commissioner, what what can you mention? You touched on it, the volunteers who who showed up at your house yesterday. Um, but beyond that, the, the leadership on a local level from County Mayor Porter and uh, Mayor Shelton and the emergency personnel who have been at the EOC Center, 
um, just just trying to organize this recovery effort. What what can you say about about that process and just well, the response? In, in my opinion, the the response from the volunteers it's been unbelievable. The the local leadership, you can tell that Mayor Porter has a background in emergency services with the way he handles devastation, crisis like this. And uh, Mayor Shelton, he's done a phenomenal job. He's had all the resources that Cookville City can provide all the way from not only in the city but down in the county, wherever wherever they need to be deployed. And uh, police officers, we see them everywhere, the highway patrol, and uh, I can't brag enough about the sheriff's department. So proud of them. They are, they are so courteous, and they have uh, so much compassion about what's happening. And you can see it in their face that it's taking a toll on a lot of them because some folks have seen a lot. Mm-hmm. They've seen a, they've seen a lot more than anybody wants to see. I can just promise you that. I've I've been there. I've been in that role. I was in Macon County, still working as a troop lieutenant when the tornado came through up there and it was uh i know how hard that was it takes some time to recover and it's going to take these guys some time to recover so all those people on the on that first line of uh first responders from the volunteers the rescue squad the fire department we're proud of all of them this community the volunteers we we were out here neighbors were bringing us food they were taking other neighbors' food. They were coming around the churches, were feeding people, making sure everybody has what they need. It's just, uh, it makes me proud to be from Putnam County, and uh, we have a uh, we have such great compassion for our fellow our fellow neighbors down here. One last question for you, um, Commissioner. As an elected official, and a lot of the devastation happened right there in your district, the 9th District, how have you tried to, I guess, being an elected official, representing these folks affected by the storm, have you been trying to stay in communication with the folks you represent, or is it just simply really too hard right now with everything going on? Well, I've been trying to get my house in order as much as possible, and that's what I told some of the emergency responders, when they came around, I've asked them, I said, please, please share the information. I went out today for a little while and tried to visit with a few folks, but I said, please let everybody know that you talk to. I'm not out there because I just don't care or don't want to be out there. I've got I've got a lot of problems here that we've been trying to uh, work on to, to try to get resolved, and uh I want to say this, too. I went to work for Bank of Putnam County, and the first thing they did is they sent their maintenance crew down here to help tarp the house and help us get it out of the weather, if you will. So I I need to throw a shout out there. I know that they've got got uh, an account up there where people can donate, and they are such a big, important piece of this community. And they just care about everybody also. And uh, but please, anybody, if they if there's anything that they think I can do for them, or they, I'm I'm here. I've not been out there so much because, like I say, I've been I've been here trying to take care of this mess that I have at my own house. 
and uh, that's 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 where we are right now. And I'm hoping that it gets better uh, fairly quickly. But I don't see Double Springs getting better for quite some time. To be honest, with all the devastation. Like many others in the damage area, Neil and his family, as he mentioned, will be staying in a hotel for at least the next couple of weeks. Those hotels all booked up, according to Mayor Porter in his press conference earlier. The tornadoes will have a lifelong impact on victims, survivors, and the entire community. Local Councilor Selena Stewart says no matter the person, the impact of the storm affected everyone. We know families, you know, we... We're close. We, um, you know, see the destruction, you know, whether it's in person or on TV or in our social media feeds. And so we're all affected and we're all, you know, kind of have this connection. Stewart says people should nurture those connections that they have and hear what the victims have to say. People really need to tell their stories. And so you want to kind of have an open mind and you want to listen and um, and then the next thing is, is if you hear something that is concerning, you know, maybe ask if you, you know, you would want to ask some more follow-up questions about that. Stewart says changes in behavior, lack of joy, isolation, physical changes, not grooming. Those are signs that someone may need more help. Any of the agencies in town I, I could recommend. I think they're wonderful. There's wonderful counselors all over um, you know, the state, but in our area, we happen to have so many wonderful counselors just, you know, everywhere you turn. Stewart says that initial assessment can help anyone who's dealing with grief issues. Part of the grief, of course, comes with the first funerals to bury the 18 victims of Tuesday's tornadoes. Those are scheduled over the weekend. Jill Horner of Hooper, Huddleston and Horner says the process of helping someone say goodbye has to begin delicately. Well, I think the first thing we do is try to make people feel comfortable and at ease. Um, That's hard to do when you've had such a tragic loss, but um, just to be able to relax and just kind of uh, share the story sometimes. Uh, Some families really like to talk about the loved ones. Some are more guarded. and You know, we just kind of try to figure out what's going to make them uh, relax a little bit and so, you know, we can listen to what they want to do. And from there, Horner says the staff tries to help them plan the next steps. Well, really, we want to greet people and honestly just treat them like we would want to be treated in that situation. Um, Just kind of sitting down and, and listening to what they need to say. Sometimes that's the best thing we can start out with is just to listen to what their needs are and kind of direct them based on what they tell us. Horner says one way that you can help is urging those who have been impacted by the storm to deal with their grief by contacting local support groups. One of those is Heart of the Cumberland. They are available at 526, sorry, 525-2600. Again, that number is 525-2600. Upperman High School basketball coach Bobby McWilliams was faced with a seemingly impossible task last night motivating a group of young people to get some definition of normal after what they've been through this week and try to win a basketball game. After dealing with the tragedy of the tornado Tuesday night, the young men of Upperman High School did just that, beating the Cumberland County Jets 65-51. to 
takes a special person to be able to uh, go through what they went through and then, then try to get out there and um, compete to the best they could. But, um, you know, when these kids kind of rallied around each other, um, I felt like last night. And obviously their thoughts and their and their hearts were in, were in other places. Uh, there's a lot more important things going on. But, uh, you know, they um, they did the best they could, and that's, that's all I could ask for. Coach McWilliams says many of the students and players may have found a bit of joy in the welcome distraction of playing a game that they love. Well, I think for them during that hour and a, hour and a half period, it maybe it gave them a little bit of an escape from the things that's going on about you know within our community. But um, you know, we had several kids out yesterday that were working and giving back and trying to help with those in need, and it says a lot about their character. And these kids um, are really, really special, special people, and uh, it's just I'm super proud of them, you know, on and off the floor. There are thousands of more important things in the world right now than high school basketball. But for a community that is so proud of its bees and its lady bees, who will, by the way, play tonight for the region championship, Coach McWilliams hopes that in some ways basketball is a little bit of a way to get your mind off what has happened. I know that this place is really special. The people in the community, the people in the surrounding area uh, have been just tremendous to us. These people have a, um, a really a special situation here at Upperman that uh, they do have each other's back and it doesn't matter what sport or what event we're in, we're all for each other and uh, that's really, really uh, unique for me, to, you know, from, from most of any of my experiences in the past, but, um, you know, I just, I just do know that uh, it's a really special place. We'll recap all of the opportunities for you, both as a victim of the tornado, but also ways that you can help here in just a moment. But at 6.15, let's look back at uh, what has been accomplished today in the Upper Cumberland, the sort of headlines that we understand from what has gone on today. I think the biggest thing that I've heard in ter- is in terms of the power, because, uh, you know, of course, yesterday that got off to a slow start in terms of how many volunteers ended up showing up. So they were hoping today they would gain some some ground in restoring power to those affected areas. And I know Mayor Randy Porter had mentioned about 1,000 for Upper Cumberland Electric, but right before that press conference started, um, UC EMC General Manager Jimmy Gregory, and I'll just read it if I can get the phone out here, had gave some really promising uh, information saying UCEMC has energized an additional 850 members as of 4:30 today, and have around 400 remaining outages that they're working to restore. And we do not have estimated time to restore those members. And that has to do with at one point they had 1,200 today, and what they got up was a main line, energized it, stayed up for 10 minutes, and then just kind of died again. And so I think that's what's holding them back right now and getting everyone restored. And also Cookville, uh, about 25 who's still without power for Cookville Electric. I think another big thing today, the death toll is still at 18. We've got the unaccounted number down to zero. Obviously, some folks still hospitalized at this time. Um, They couldn't provide any information on their status. But I think from uh, that standpoint, that's just great to hear we've seen that number of unaccounted jumping up and down and it's been steady at zero for several hours let us remind you too that if you are still not able to find someone that uh, could be unaccounted for please call the 646 info 646 info so that uh, all the resources of not only local emergency officials but also the tbi 
can be put into play to try to find those people. 400 residences damaged in some way, 100 destroyed, 31 commercial uh, buildings were destroyed. 20 people are in the Red Cross shelter. That number has increased today. A burning ban put into place in Cookville and Putnam County. That is until further notice. No volunteers will be needed again tomorrow. No volunteers tomorrow in the area as they hope again to make a lot more uh, progress in trying to get the power restored in the area, also roadways cleaned and that sort of thing. Uh, Volunteers will be back on the site Saturday. A complete plan will be released tomorrow. Uh, They're hoping that you will abide by the request not to be there tomorrow and also to be very organized. And we'll bring you the information just as soon as we get it tomorrow of what the plan is so that we can have a very organized, detailed army of workers go on to that uh, Highway 70 corridor on Saturday, perhaps even Sunday, and get to work. Want to just kind of quickly go over the monetary donation, the fund that's set up. That is the Cookville Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund. We did find out in the press conference there are now five ways that you can give to the Cookville Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund. Way number one is by going to any of the 19 branches of the Bank of Putnam County and donating there. You can also donate. The Venmo, go to Venmo, your your little app on your phone, and you can put at Cookville Putnam County Tornado. You can donate to the fund that way. PayPal, another one. Uh, A new one that, two new ones that popped up today is um, a fourth option. You can text Cookville. You can text Cookville Help. Again, you can text Cookville Help to 41444. Also, a fifth and Final option as of right now is um, donating at the PutnamCountyTN.gov. That's the main webpage for the county of Putnam County there. So Bank of Putnam County, Venmo, PayPal, text Cookville Help to 41444 and also visiting PutnamCountyTN.gov. The Putnam County Solid Waste Management Department has released the plans for dealing with tornado debris. First of all, the landfill will be open seven days a week. From 8 until 5, that is until further notice. If you are bringing construction debris, that is old building materials, bricks, lumber, all of that, uh, make sure you check in with the Waymaster on duty. That has to do with FEMA, and again, it helps get credit towards that uh, potentially 12.5% that the county or city is going to have to provide. If you are bringing household waste to the transfer station, please check in with the Waymaster on duty as well. These items are being accepted at the Solid Waste Transfer Station and Recycle Center. Food, furniture, clothing, metal fence wire, wire of other kinds, electronics, cooking oil, motor oil and hydraulic fluid, antifreeze, batteries, glass, cardboard, news and office paper, and plastics. So some of these items are not normally allowed to be put into the landfill, and I don't believe a lot of these are allowed to be uh, placed at the recycle center, but because of the storm, they are going to be. Again, these items are going to be accepted at the Putnam County Solid Waste Transfer Station Recycle Center. Food, furniture, clothes, metal, fence and wire, uh, electronics, cooking oil, motor oil, hydraulic fluid, antifreeze, batteries, glass, cardboard, news and office paper, and plastic. 
Sharps and needles need to be placed in heavy plastic containers, such as a detergent, milk, or bleach jug with the lid taped shut. Again, sharps needles need to be placed in heavy plastic containers taped shut with the lid on them. If you have any questions about uh, these rules for tornado debris management, you can contact the Solid Waste Department at 528-3884. Again, 528-3884. Cookville Community Center remains the setup location for people in need. If you are a tornado victim and you need clothing, you need food, you need baby items, pillows, hygiene items, they are distributing that again at the Community Center at 240 Carlin Drive. Here are some of the other opportunities that uh, have been sent in to us, all about pets on Gainesboro Grade, offering to keep pets for free. Napa Auto Parts has supplies for people doing work in the cleanup over the weekend, safety glasses, chainsaw fuel, that sort of thing. Uh, the Putnam County Girl Scouts are also set up at the Cookville, Crossville, and Baxter locations. They're taking donations for kids. The Halo brand is selling Cookville We Rise shirts, $15, all the profits going to the Help Now Fund. Again, Halo brand selling Cookville We Rise t-shirts, $15. Cookville Strong Yard signs and car decals are available for for purchase at CG's Boutique on the Square, 100% of those proceeds going to the Tornado Relief. The New Beginnings Assembly of God serving breakfast, lunch, 7 a.m. for breakfast, 11 a.m. for lunch, West Broad Street. They are available to help you there. Power of Putnam, Gunnels Florist, and Town & Country Florist have partnered to cover the cost of all funeral flowers for all victims. Uh, Families can call 520-7531. That's 520-7531 to make floral arrangements for memorial services. Again, Power of Putnam, Gunnels Florist, and Town and Country Florist partnering together to cover the cost of all funeral flowers for victims. Call 520-7531. The UC Fieldhouse on Burgess Falls Road is having a dodgeball tournament Saturday. All the entry fees will go to storm victims. You can contact them for more information. The team at Academy Sports handing out waters tonight in the parking lot if you need cold water. They will be there until 8 o'clock tonight. The uh, team at Big Tony's Pizzeria is serving a free meal to all tornado victims. That is Sunday from 1 until 4 p.m. Big Tony's is on 10th Street. Uh, Ravity, we also got uh, information a little earlier about the opportunity for people to get their clothes cleaned. A1 Coin Laundry on Washington, I hope. Yeah, A1 Coin Laundry on Washington. That's something that was spearheaded by Representative Williams and State Senator Paul Bailey. Basically, all you have to do is go to the community center, get a wristband, head to the laundromat, and there's volunteers there that are actually doing the laundry for the victims of this tornado, and it's had a really good turnout thus far. Um, and And I know tomorrow might be the last day that they're doing that. Um but a really good opportunity for folks who, who need to uh, get some laundry done. Um, a group of volunteers doing a big, big job over there. We uh, want to thank all the businesses and charities that uh, have called us and shared their plans, and we will continue to do that through the day tomorrow. You can call our business line at 528 628 
6064. Just leave a message, and uh, we will make sure to get that information on the air as quickly as we can. Again, uh, if you're a business person who's uh, helping out, if you're a charity, a church, I know a lot of people want to help on Saturday with various ideas. There's uh, an activity going on in Baxter at the T-ball fields to, to help kids uh, deal with the tragedy, many other things. We're happy to share that for you uh, or for you uh, during the day tomorrow. Again, 528-6064. Before we leave you tonight, it is important amidst all of the rebuild, amidst all of the talk of power being restored, to remember that this is also about people, 18 people who lost their lives in Tuesday's storm. Terry and Dawson Curtis were two of those people. Brian Williams remembers his friend as someone who was kind and selfless. I met the Curtises probably three or four years ago. Uh, they were actually customers at the dealership, and um, they had a uh, plumbing business, you know, and uh, a lot of people knew them in the community and used them. And so I started using them for plumbing jobs on uh, my rental properties and stuff like that. And long story short, we got to know each other over the course of the years and became really good friends. And I got to know all their children, including Dawson, and, uh, you know, got to watch him grow up from uh, being very little, you know. And so um, we got real close, and uh, they took us on our first cruise. You know, we'd never been on a cruise, and so we went with them. And they're basically, you know, the Curtises are just some of the best-hearted people that, that you'd ever meet, and Terry in particular. You know, Terry would, uh, I know they have the saying, get, get, he would give the shirt off his back, but he he literally would. I mean, he just just one of the best human beings that you could ever meet. And, uh, you know, Dawson, just one of the sweetest kids, you know, just a typical boy, love playing baseball, love boxing, you know, anything boy-related, four-wheeling, all that stuff, you know, just the sweetest little boy, man. And uh, it's just terrible what happened. It's just unreal. Tiffany McGonigal also knew Terry and Dawson. From the moment I met them, they were just the nicest, most giving people you could ever meet. They... They acted like I was their family, too, like they had known me as long as they had known him. Um, we we went on a cruise with them. They they went out of their way. I mean, it was just insane. It was almost like they were part of the, you know, the crew, like they were doing just as much for us as everybody else was, you know. And uh, Terry would, he would walk with me everywhere to make sure I was safe. He would take me to get, you know, if I needed to get any food, more food or drinks, he would walk with me. He paid for everything, you know, uh, whenever we went swimming, he went out in the ocean with us and, and helped us record and made sure we got videos of our fun time, you know. I mean, it was just, I mean, I've never met more helpful people in my whole life. Terry and Dawson Curtis, two of the victims from Tuesday morning. Bridget McCormick, sweet, energetic, just entering her teenage years. Bridget had gotten involved with a youth group at Sycamore Church of Christ. Kevin Donnelly is the youth and family minister at Sycamore. Very energetic in class. She would always raise her hand to uh, eagerly ask, uh, answer a question, even though it might have not been the right answer. Sometimes she even raised a hand to, to tell me she didn't know the answer. Um, but she loved being in the youth group. Um, she was funny, uh, witty, uh, always smiling, and... Um, she was really just a joy, a joy to be around. Bridget had really gotten involved with a group during a retreat at Pigeon Forge. Donnelly said that experience left a mark 
on the other members of the Sycamore Church of Christ Youth Group. Uh, she inspired us and, and empowered us to uh, to do more and to and to really take the opportunities we had to get to know the people around us because she was somebody that was new and she didn't have any trouble going to total strangers and talking to us. And uh, she even approached several on the retreat that she didn't know and asked their name and got to talking. And so she really paid the way and set the example for us to, to you know, we need to be that way to each other and, and, and talk and share and enjoy each other's company and, and get out of her comfort zone because uh, that's what she did. And uh, she's going she's gonna to be missed for sure. Three more of our neighbors and friends who lost their lives in Tuesday's tornado. Our coverage will resume tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock with the very latest information as we continue to recover from Tuesday's tornado. For Rafferty Cleary, I'm Larry Stone. It's 632.